0: Good morning. We uh, we're gonna do things just a, a wee bit different this morning. Uh, Lord just laid this on my heart a while ago. Just I got to writing down some some things this morning in my study, and, and just it, Lord just impressed it on me just to pray this morning before we even do anything else. We got a lot going on uh, in our community. We got a lot going on in our state. We got a lot going on in the country. We got a lot going on in the world. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but the only person I know I can fix this mess we're in is God. And so this morning we're going to pray. I just had a few things here that that just come to mind, and just uh, one of the things that we was talking about this morning is is uh, Haywood County. Uh, that's a mess down there uh, around Clayton, down that area, and it's just uh, it's terrible. I don't know. Do you know what the body count? Have they found them all, or have you heard anything? Nothing. So it's it's pretty pretty rough down there. The last I would heard is missing. 30, which I think that went up, and then they started finding some, but that's from the flood and from the other night. So I want to pray for that county-wise, uh, Avery County as well, because I know y'all got hit a little bit harder than we did down in Watauga. Um, Jason Daniels, I don't know, most of y'all don't know this, but I, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you, I told him Wednesday night, Jason had uh, COVID, he's recovering now, but his dad has it, and he's down in spruce pine, and he's he's, he's struggling. So the concern there with Jason is uh not so much as dad but keeping his mom away from everybody that's got it and keeping her healthy so we're praying for uh for tony and for jason and and jason's mom as well um jonathan's not here but jonathan had a coworker with covid he he did get released to get to go home his name is drew gray we continue to pray for him and then uh we had uh One of the finest men I know. Richard B. Warren passed away this morning. There was nobody like him. There was nobody like him. He set the bar so high when I was at Beach Valley. He he pastored Beach Valley for 25 years, and then there was that little whatever it was between me and him for about six months or so. And then I come in, and it was always about Preacher Bill. Preacher Bill did this. Preacher Bill said this. Preacher Bill, Preacher Bill. But he was one of the kindest men That I've ever known. Got to hear him preach, but he had the softest, kindest voice of any man I've ever met. And every chance of God, I'd have him pray. So we're going to pray for the Warren family this morning. Y'all probably don't know him, but that's all right. Just pray for the family. and then I think we've all had the same struggle this week. If you've been watching the news and this mess over in Afghanistan, I'm not getting into politics. I don't care nothing about that. What I'm c- concerned about is the Christians being persecuted. They're being killed right now. Folks, they're going in and they're taking their phones and they're looking for Bible apps. If you got a Bible app, you're dead. They're looking for Bibles. They're looking for underground churches. They're killing them. They're finding girls, 12 years old, around 12 years old, raping them. 25 and married, they're killing their husbands, raping them. It's nasty, folks. It don't even sound like, it do not sound like anything that's real right now. It just sounds like something made up. So we need to pray for our military as they go back over, hopefully, and take control. Pray for them persecuted Christians right now. We have a duty. We're obligated to pray for them. And as Jerry mentioned this morning, when he prayed, and, and we said often, we are to pray for all those in leadership, all those in authority, that they would make good, sound decisions. We rely on them, but they rely on us. We rely on them to make good decisions, but they rely on us to pray for them. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Before we preach, before we do anything else, we're going to come up to this altar. I'd invite anybody and everybody that can to come up, and we're going to pray. Because we got heavy hearts. We've all got heavy hearts. You can't be here today and not have a heavy heart over something. So we're just going to ask God to, to have a, his way in our lives, in this world, this community, this country. And uh, and just pray for the burdens that are on our hearts and the hearts of others. So if you can come up this morning and be with us just for a moment. If you can come up and just pray. Lord God, this morning we come to you with broken hearts. God, it is an honor and a privilege to be able to to come together as a church and pray for the things that break our hearts. Lord, for those Christians that are being persecuted at this very moment, not just Afghanistan, but those around the world. Father, those missionaries that have given up uh, all that they've had here in America or wherever they're from, Lord, just to to go and uh, to be a leader, to be a servant, to be a minister, Lord, to go out and preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Father, we lift up those missionaries. We lift up those Christians, uh, those church members, God, that are being persecuted right now just for God. believing in the one true God, for putting their faith in Jesus Christ and that resurrection. Lord, I pray that you would protect them. God, I pray that you would swiftly move through there with with military or whatever means it might be to protect those christians lord and if it not be your will to protect them through the military but god i pray that if it would be through the rapture father it would be all right with me if we would just head on out right now god that would just suit me just fine if we'd all just go together but god i do pray that you would protect them lord be with those young women that are over there as well protect them and, and their dignity, and, and all that is there, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, just place a hedge of protection around that country right now, God, and I, I want to lift up those, as we've been praying here that recently, God, our, our health care workers, as they're, they're back in the thick of things again, God, as they they're struggling with this COVID, this new variant that's coming through. God, it just seems like they can't take the breath right now. They can't catch a break no matter where they turn. God, I pray that you would be with those doctors and nurses, the, all the hospital staff. Lord, I don't care if they're cleaning toilets or if they're sewing you back up. God, I pray that you would be with them all because they're all affected by this right now, God. And I pray that you would protect them or give them guidance and comfort. God, I pray that you would just give them uh, rest when they need it. Lord, Just uh, I know they're weary physically, mentally they're exhausted god i pray you would just give them rest we know you can do just that and lord for jason daniels and his whole family's dad tony there and his mom i pray god that you would continue to protect them heal them with brother tony there in the hospital god i pray that you would just touch his lungs and his body lord it just don't sound too good for him right now but god i know a I know a man Lord, i know a great physician that can do mar- just marvelous miraculous things in someone's life lord and i know that that it can be done here too and god i just lift him up to you and and that whole family as well. Again, as they recover and, and try to dodge this thing, and Lord, I just pray for the Warren family this morning. Lord, there's a lot more rejoicing going on in that house than 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 we could ever imagine. Lord, he preached the gospel. He protected this country and the army, Lord. And and once he retired, Lord, he became a man of the cloth. Lord, he came out and and into this community, and Lord, he preached boldly everywhere he went. Lord, he he preached Christ risen, and Lord, I pray God that he. With the legacy that he left behind, Father, we can reflect back on that and know that he was sent by you to reach the mountains here in Watauga County and Avery County, everywhere he went. And Lord, I just want to thank you for uh, being able to know him and to to be a friend and to be a brother uh, to Bill Warren. Lord, just want to lift up that family to you. Lord, I know they're rejoicing that he's in the presence of his Lord and Savior right now. And, God, for all those other burdens that are on our hearts right now, for Haywood County, those that are lost and missing through the floods, Lord, I pray that you'd be with them, be with the emergency service workers there, DOT, everybody that's involved, all the local government that's involved in the the body recovery and the rebuilding and all that's going to have to take place there. Lord, I pray that you would give them rest and comfort as well and discernment. God, it's uh, it's going to be a, a, a long haul in front of them, Lord, and I pray that you just be with them and give them rest, give them... Um, Direction as well in Avery County, as well, Lord, as uh, they were hit and affected badly by the floods. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would be with that to uh, all those involved in, in that recovery as well and the rebuild that's going to take place as well. Again, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for this church, for their hearts, and Lord, just for bringing burdens to this altar, placing them here, Lord. And I pray that they'd stay right here. They've given them to you. We love you and we praise you this morning. All that's your son's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Alright, this morning we're going to be over in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, be over in verse 19, a little bit, here and there, 19, 20, 21, 22, we're going to be all over the place a little bit this morning. But I got a question for you, only you can answer it, it's not about sleeping with a nightlight like Abby does, Keith asked that question this morning. It's a serious question. And it's one only you can answer. It's personal, actually. It's a very personal question. And the question is Are you living for Jesus? Are you living for Jesus? I wish I could answer. I, I, can, I can answer for myself. I can't answer for anybody. I can't even answer for my family. I can't answer for nobody but myself. Are you living for Jesus? That's an important question. And I don't care if you don't hear anything else I have to say for the rest of the day. I want you to think about that. Are you living for Jesus? And if you've read much of the New Testament, you know Jesus did some remarkable, incredible things. I mean, he done some awesome things. But he also done some incredible things for us, for me, for you, each one of us. He done some amazing things there. He left the riches of heaven. I mean, that right there alone, just to think about that, he left the riches of heaven to come down here to be with us, to deal with the things that we have to deal with as Christians, to deal with persecution. To deal with heartbreak and humiliation, he left heaven where he didn't have to deal with. He did not have to deal with death or dying. He didn't have to deal with sin. He didn't have to deal with bad weather. He didn't have to deal with looking for something to eat. He didn't have to deal with looking for somewhere to sleep. He did not have to deal with any of that stuff, but he left that. And he came to heaven or came to earth from heaven to be with us. To me, that's amazing. He destroyed His enemies, which means He cleared a path for us to be able Amen. to worship and to fellowship in a certain way. He brought us closer to the Father. You think about when He died on that cross. What happened when He died on that cross? It says The Bible says that that veil was, it was, it was rent right down the middle, which means he's, that separation between us and God, which would have been the curtain, The holy of holies, no more. When he died, he gave us direct access to the Father. That says a lot right there. That's love right there. And not only does he forgive us of our sins, I'm just going to give you four brief ones right now, there's a whole list of them. But not only does he forgive us of our sins, he forgets them. He don't remember them. He ain't going to throw it back in your face. He ain't going to bring it back up next time you're sad and lonely and you need help. And he said, well, I'd help you, but you did this back then. Or you've already done this once. We ain't going to go through this again. That's not Jesus. That's mankind, but that ain't Jesus. We ain't going to bring that, or he ain't going to bring that up. We might. All that Jesus has done, it should challenge us to live our lives to a higher standard. If you think about what he's done for us, Ain't that what we do for others? If if others have done things for us, we try to do equal or greater value for them. If someone pulls you out of the ditch whenever your truck is stuck or broke down, Mike, in those Fords. So whenever you're broke down and that Chevy comes along, you know we got James over here, a nice new Chevy with the tow chain, on gonna hook up and pull you out. You're gonna do greater for him, ain't you? Just say yeah. <laughs> you thinking about it? <laughs> Somebody pulls you out of a ditch when you're not doing good, you're stuck, you're broke down, whatever it is, somebody pulls you out of a ditch, you're going to try to think them in equal or greater value. So when the Son of God comes to them from heaven down to earth, and He is born of a virgin, He is persecuted at the, the hands of the likes of things that we could never imagine, He is placed on a cross, He is crucified, He is buried, and then He is resurrected for you, Folks, I can't think of anything better that I could do for him than to just worship him and to love him. That's all that I can do. I can't pay him. I can't give him much, but I can give him my love, my loyalty, and I can give him uh, all that I can until I get to heaven. I'll give him all my rewards if I have many. I still won't give them to him. Equal or greater value. I want to thank him for what he has done for us. All that he's done should be, it should challenge us to live our life at a higher standard. Higher standard than, than a family member that might not even know Jesus. A higher standard than a coworker that's lost his ball in high weeds. A higher standard than the neighbor. I think we can all agree. All of us agree. We should live at a higher standard and that Jesus did some pretty incredible things for us here on earth. I mean incredible, not just here on earth. But he just keeps on chunking them out there for us while he's in heaven. He just keeps blessing us. He just keeps providing for us. He keeps uh, showing us these miracles. He keeps doing these things for us that we just we don't deserve. But because he loves us, he does it. Now knowing that, I think it's time that we live for Jesus like we should. Knowing just those four things, and there's a ton of them, more of them in the Bible, we should live a life greater than what we're living right now. We should live a life that it shows honor to Jesus for what He done. That's the kind of life we should be living. And what kind of life does that look like? How do we know if we're doing what we should be doing here in this life? How do we know that we're doing what is acceptable and what is holy and what is uh, good for God? How do we know that we're living that kind of life that... that reflects back on all the goodness that he did for us on the cross and through the resurrection how do we know we're doing what's right and what we should be doing now the writer of hebrews is going to try to tell us we're going to try he's going to tell us give us a couple pointers at least four pointers to help us get back on the right track so that we know that we are right where we need to be if you got your bibles and Open to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Stand with me just a minute. If you don't have your Bibles, um, I got my, my birthday present the other day, and it's super giant print. So I could hold this up like a PowerPoint, and y'all just read along with me. It weighs about 20 pounds. It's all right. All right. Chapter 10, verse 19. Bible says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, the flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Keith, would you open up in prayer, please? Amen. You can have a seat. If we're living for Jesus, we spend more time running to him than from him. If we're living a life that is acceptable, if we're living a life that is truly uh, exalting God like it should be, we would be running to God more than we're running from god just ponder on that just a second hebrews the first part of hebrews 10 it says let us draw near let us draw near draw and near i like those two words right there let us draw near we all know the the old testament runner jonah everybody's familiar with jonah the great fish everybody knows about jonah what jonah do jonah ran from god did Jonah run near God? No, he ran away from God. He went and he got on a boat, went on out, got into a storm, got thrown overboard, swallowed by a great fish, then got vomited up on the shore. He ran from God. Why? Because God said, Go to Nineveh, preach repentance. Mm-mm, I ain't doing that. And he ran. He ran. It's not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to run from God. We're supposed to run to him. Jonah went the opposite direction of God. God's over here. Nineveh's over here. Jonah goes over here. He did not run nowhere close to God. The New Testament, the rich young ruler wanted to come to Jesus on his own terms. He said, I'll do this, this, and this. I'm not going to give up this. I'm not going to do this. But here's here's how I'm going to get to heaven. Don't work that way. You can't go to God and you you can't negotiate a contract with God and say, "Lord, you know what? I'm just going to do these things, and then I'll just come on into heaven whenever I'm ready." God, he's not going to he's not going to oblige that. He's not going to say, "Yeah, that's good." I've had to do all week long. I've had to deal with a bunch of New Yorkers that are trying to renegotiate a contract that we wrote with them. I, we I had my lawyers look it up and write this thing out. Now, their lawyers are picking it apart and wanting us to add things in that are convenient for them. That's what a lot of people want to do when it comes to going to heaven. They want to do things that's convenient to them before they can go to heaven. And God said, "Mm mm-mm, my son's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You ain't going to squeak in any other way. There's not an option B or C or D. He said there's an option A, and that's Jesus. And that is it. And this rich young ruler said, I want to come to heaven on my own terms. Jesus said, no. And so this rich young ruler ran from God. He went the other way. He didn't draw near to God. He drifted further away from the shores, what he did. There may be some people here today that instead of drawing near to God, they have pushed him away. They've lost a family member. And so there's bitterness between them and God. Not God being bitter, but you being bitter to God. And so you've pushed God away. You said, I don't, I can't deal with this right now. Maybe God's taken someone in your life and you you didn't want him to take them yet, so it just ain't time. And so you're bitter. Maybe something happened in your life and you're, you're mad at God for not stopping it. Maybe you've seen that you was going to lose your job or lose your house or lose your car, lose something. You've seen it coming and you thought, well, God will fix it but he didn't fix it the way you wanted him to fix it. He fixed it the way he said it needed to be fixed. And so you're mad at him. You're bitter at him. The end result is that you pushed away from God instead of drawing near to God. In the loss of a loved one, you draw to God. In the loss of finances or your house or your car, whatever it might be, you draw to God. In the time of persecution, you draw to God. In the time of need, you are to draw to God. That's what? That's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us, that we are to draw to God whenever we struggle. Draw to God when we have a time of fellowship, when we have a time of celebration, when, when God has done something great in our lives, we need to continue to draw to Him. Don't just stop because things are going good. God answered a prayer. Let's just stop praying now, wait till the next one. He said, just keep drawing to Him. Keep drawing. But you've pushed away from god instead of drawing to him you ran away from him instead of running to him now there's also those people out there that just flat out ignore god that's the same as it as running from him they just flat out ignore him they believe they can handle whatever's going on in their lives they believe that i'm in control i can take care of it i don't need god so we're just stand back here on the shelf they don't want to bother god because they say well he's too busy you know what, there's famine going on down in Africa, there's flooding going on out in the Midwest or whatever's going on around the world. He's too busy with those things. I'll just take care of this myself. Folks, that's the same as running from God. That's the same as just saying, I don't need you. I'll go the, I'll go to Nineveh. I'm going to get on a boat and go to Nineveh and do, deal with this myself. They don't Think they need God's help to make that decision or to handle that mess or uh, to to clear out that path for them? These people are just as guilty as running from God because He wants them to draw near. It tells right there in the very part of very first part of chapter or verse twenty two. He says to draw near, no matter what. Draw near. That's it. Draw closer to Him. That's where I want to be. The closer you are to God, to God, when you draw near to God, the closer you are to the center of His will. Because that's where He's at, right there, in the, right there, smack dab in the center of His will is God. And He said, "Just get as close to Me as you can." Number two, if we're living for Jesus, then we don't flip flop between Him and the world. If we're truly living for Jesus, we ain't gonna flip flop. We ain't going to change our minds. Verse 22 again, it says, let us draw near, and it says, with a true heart. Let us draw near with a true heart. More so what happens when you catch fish and bring them up on the boat or on the bank. What do they do? They die. They flip-flop around, don't they? They flop, 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 and then all of a sudden they just give up. That's what fish do. That's what Christians do. A lot of times, Christian's are going to flip flop. A lot of times, Christian is going to change their ways. They're going to flip one way for a little while, and then they're going to flop around for a little bit longer and go another way. They flop around until there's no life left in them. That's what a fish does. That's what a Christian does. Sometimes we flip flop around till there's nothing left in us. We flip flop, and it drains us spiritually. Flip flopping's a lot of work. Yeah, it's, they're trying to catch your breath, ain't they? That's what a fish is doing when it flip-flops. It's trying to breathe, and it's struggling. I don't know if y'all have ever had the wind knocked out of you, but it'll knock the wind out of you. <laughs> you will. You about flip-flop around, won't you? You can't breathe, you're moving, you're running, you're trying to catch your breath because you're about to die is what it feels like. So you feel like that fish. Just like the fish... Soon you're going to lose your breath, and then you're going to be more like the world than you was. When you lose your breath, you start grasping for things that are worldly and less like things of, of heaven or of God. The world is dead to the things of God. The world has no clue what God can offer them. The world is struggling right now. It's, it's in its final days right now. The, wor- the whole world it's in its final days can't deal this we can't do this much more we can't deal with all this sinfulness much more in the world who are the flip-floppers I'm not talking about those women that wear flip-flops all the time I used to work with one of those all the time wear flip-flops all the time and you wear flip-flops all the time don't you better crocs <laughs> who are the flip-floppers not the shoe flip-flops, <laughs> not the not the air Moses. I'm talking about the who are the flip, who are the people that that flip-flop between church and the world? every church has got them, they're the ones who have what we would call divided loyalties. They're just not really sure where they want to be. God's first in most things in their life on Sunday, most of the time, first in their life, unless there's something else that they want to do. And then he becomes second or third. That's flip-flopping. That's, flip, that's, that's in white robes we talked about a few Sundays ago. Those hypocrites. They put on a good show Sunday mornings, but during the week they revert back to the ways of the world. That's flip-flopping. Oh, they can say a prayer. Oh, they can sing a song. Oh, they can do this or they can do this in church. But on Monday, you never know they's there. You never know they even grace the doors of a church. You can't tell them apart from the world. They're uncommitted. They can't tie down to anything. They just don't know what they want, so they flip-flop back and forth. Psalms 84.10 says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. There's your answer right there. there. If you flip-flop, if you're trying to figure out where you need to be in this life, right there it is. Psalms 84.10 plainly tells you that I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'd much rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than I would have to dwell in the wickedness of this world. Those who understand what God has done for them are not flip-floppers. If you truly understand the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross, if you truly understand not just the sacrifice on the cross, but the sacrifice that God made by sending His only begotten Son, when you understand that sacrifice, you ain't going to flip-flop. I promise you ain't going to flip-flop. You're not going to want to go anywhere else. You're not going to want to dabble in the world because the world can't offer you what God did. So you're not going to want to switch around. They have a true heart. They have a sincere heart. Those fo- folks that understand what God has done for them. Number three, if we're living for Jesus, then saying it can't be done it can't come out of our mouths. If you're living for Jesus right now, you cannot say it can't be done because we know that God can do it. God can do the impossible. He can and He will. If you trust him, if you have the faith in him, to do it. If we are living for Jesus, we cannot say it can't be done. Hebrews 10, 22, again, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart, and then it keeps going, it says, In full assurance of faith. Now, having faith doesn't mean that we're mindless. You know, a lot of people in this world look at us as Christians, and they say they're they're brainwashed. I'm not brainwashed. I got my heart washed, I got my heart cleaned, but I ain't brainwashed by no means. Don't mean that we're mindless. Having faith isn't some blind leap in the darkness either. There is no darkness where I'm at. Because the Bible tells me that Jesus is light. He lights this place up. He's a, he's a candle. And he's lighting up my life and my heart. Being a Christian doesn't mean that we lose the ability to think. A lot of people think that Christians can't think for themselves anymore, that they have to go through the church to think. That's not what being a Christian is. We can still think. Instead, it says that we know what Jesus can do no matter what the facts say. We know who he is and what he can do. I know what he can do. I've seen what he can do. I've experienced it myself. I've felt him myself. I can't say with my mouth or in my heart, it can't be done because I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. I think all y'all have too. At some point, you've seen him perform a miracle or do something in your life. Uh, Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. We have to have that faith. When we have faith in him knowing that he's going to provide, knowing that he is going to do whatever we say is impossible then we please him. But the writer of Hebrews says, without faith it's impossible to please him. We've got to have that faith. I know what he's done in my life, and I I trust he'll do the impossible again. I know he'll do it again. Just because he's done it a time or two, or three or four, doesn't mean I'm going to give up on him. Or maybe, maybe it just wasn't his will, and what I thought was impossible for him just wasn't his plan. Don't give up on him. We need to have that kind of faith to survive in this world. I mean, right now, folks, you know it. We've got to have faith in this world. We've got to have faith in our communities right now. We've got to have faith in our, in our, in, uh, our state and our country and, and in, in this world. We've got to have faith that he's going to bring us through all of this. Pandemic, destruction. Everything that's going on right now, we've got to have faith that we can survive this world. Because without faith, there is no hope. Faith and hope are tied tightly together. Faith and hope together. I can't imagine what life would be like without hope. I wouldn't want to imagine what life would be like without hope. I couldn't make it. I've got hope. I've got faith. And it'll get me through the more I see that I'm not in control, the more I realize I need faith in the one who is. The more I sit back and just throw my hands up and say, God, I know I'm not in control. And the more I keep my hands up and say, you are, and have faith and knowing that he is, the more I'll see that he is in control. Because he is. He is the great I am. The great physician, the shepherd. The Alpha, the Omega. He is everything to us. Everything. But we're going to have to throw our hands up and say, I can't do it, but you can. And let Him do it. The fourth thing. If we're living for Jesus when we're living... If we are living for Jesus, then we are living like we are no longer carrying the past around that stained us. When we're saved and if we're living for Jesus, we're not going to let the past affect us. We're not going to let the past mark us, or mar us, or stain us, because a lot of people will do that. A lot of Christians tend to go back and say, well, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved, but they got to throw the butt in there, but my past, but what I used to do, who I used to be, but If you're truly living and loving the Lord like we're supposed to, you're not going to let the past affect you. Definitely going to let it affect your future. You can't. Verse 22 again, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Washed. With pure water. That's what happens when things get washed. Ain't it, Paisley? Dirt comes off when you wash, don't it? Or chalk, or whatever you got on your face. Chocolate. Food in general. Right there. Take a shower. It comes off. He tells us right here. From an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. When we are washed by the blood of the Lamb, then... All the stains are removed. He's better than shout, folks. That oxyclean can't hold a lot to what God can do for you because he washes us clean. No need to ever think about you past again. It's, all it's going to do is just going to mar you down. One of the first things you stop doing when you stop living for Jesus is you stop confessing your sins. When you stop living a life that's pleasing to God, the very first, I promise you this, the very first thing that you start doing as you stop asking for forgiveness, you don't ask God to forgive you of your sins. You stop praying, you stop asking, and then you wonder where He's at. As soon as you stop confessing your sins, you're going to start building up guilt. You're going to start feeling dirty again. The only way to keep clean is to, or to keep the dirt off of you, is to keep clean. We we'll clean our houses, we we'll clean our cars. We'll give ourselves a bath or a shower. We'll keep clean. That keeps the dirt off of us. How do you clean your heart? Ask for forgiveness. That's a spiritual bath right there. Every time you ask for forgiveness, you say, Lord, please forgive me. Clean me up, God, because I have failed you. I've sinned against you. Can you wash me up? We have to. We have to ask for that forgiveness and, and continue to be cleansed by him. It builds up. That sin will build up in you. If you don't ask for forgiveness, sin builds up. It gets deep, too. And it makes it really hard to walk through them doors sometimes. It's so deep. Couldn't have timed that any better, could I? It gets so deep. That that sin gets so thick on you that you can't even crawl into a church door. You don't have to come in here. You don't need to make it all the way up to here to ask God to forgive you. You can do it wherever you're at. But a lot of people forget that. He says, ask for forgiveness. And he's faithful and just to forgive us. Ask him to forgive. And we need to do it often. We've got to ask for forgiveness often. I mean, not some of us a little more than others, VJ. Cleaning should be a part of your everyday routine, shouldn't it? Should, yeah. We'll get up in the morning. What do you do? Brush your teeth, or wash your hair, or take a shower, or shave, or all of the above. That's, that's part of our routine. We get up, we clean up. That's part of our routine as a Christian as well, to clean up, to ask God to forgive us, to cleanse us where we and make us whole again. We have to ask for that forgiveness. We've got to do it often. I mean, not just on a Sunday. We need to be asking for forgiveness often. It should be a part of our everyday routine. Whatever we do, we need to be working in. Our prayer life with God. And we're all set on routines. I've got Everybody's got their own routine. We get up, we do certain things, certain orders, and don't throw a wrench in that. We don't function well when we have to go outside our routine, do we? You make sure talking to God is part of your routine. Make sure that asking for forgiveness is part of your everyday routine. Something that you do constantly. Psalms thirty-two five says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said... I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. He, he forgives, and he forgave. He forgave him. I think it was David. I think. Anyway, forgave him. He's going to forgive us. He's going to forgive every one of us. If we're the Christian that we're supposed to be, we enjoy spending time with God. How I many of y'all ro- <laughs> rolled your eyes this morning? I gotta go to church. You need to enjoy spending time with God. Enjoy spending time and fellowship with other brothers and sisters. So when we are uh, where we're supposed to be in our Christian life, we're going to enjoy this time that we have together. We're going to enjoy spending time with God. We're not going to be flip flopping between Jesus and something else. You're not going to flip flop tomorrow. If you do, you'll think about this message. If you wear flip-flops tomorrow, you'll think about this message. As a Christian, we don't flip-flop. We flip-flopped the day we got saved. We flipped away from the world and flopped right into Jesus' hands, right in his arms. And we're not going to want to go back. There's nothing that this world can give you that will please you, that can satisfy you. Only Jesus. If we're the Christian we're supposed to be, we're believing God can handle the impossible. Oh, ye a little faith. That's what I think about when I think about that right there. We're believing God can handle the impossible. There's so many Christians that have little faith. There's a lot of Thomases out there that doubt who God is and what he can do. If we're where we're supposed to be in our life, our spiritual life, we'll never doubt God we know he can do the impossible. If we're the Christian we're supposed to be, then we're experiencing the blessing of not carrying around guilt. I'll be honest with you, guilt's heavy. Guilt's one of the heaviest things that you'll ever carry around with you. You think a burden's heavy, how about guilt? Don't carry that around with you. God don't care about your past. All he cares about is right now in the future. He's not going to bring up all the bad things you've done as a Christian. He said, just forget it. I did. Just let it go. So, as a Christian, we're supposed to be experiencing that blessing of not carrying around that guilt and those burdens. That's the standard of a person that's committed to God. Those four things. That's the standard. Do you meet that standard? As a Christian, do you meet that standard? That's the question I asked you a while ago earlier. Are you living for Jesus? Did that help you answer that question any? Are you living for Jesus? Between you and Him. Between you and Him, let's pray. Father, this evening, God, we just want to thank you Again, for the sacrifice on that cross. God, we thank you so much for sending your son down here to heaven just for us. God, I can't thank you enough for my salvation. I can't thank you enough for saving my sin-sick, wretched soul. God, I hope and pray this morning that each person in the sound of my voice is living for you. There's nothing hindering their, their fellowship with one another. There's nothing hindering their fellowship with you. They are that light that we talked about in Sunday school. They are that light. No matter where they go, others can see you. God, we want to lift up this community to you as well. Again, God, I can't, I can't stop. Lord, I've been affected by so much here recently, and I pray, Lord, that you continue just to grow the community, grow this county, strengthen them. God, as they go into that tent revival next or tomorrow night. start tomorrow night. God, I, I pray that you would keep them healthy and safe. Lord, I do ask for salvation. Lord, if there'd be one that's there that's lost, Lord, I pray there'd be salvation come from it. But God, my biggest fear is that something something bad may happen there. God, we don't want to need it. We don't need another repeat of Mitchell County. So God, I pray that you would just uh, place a hedge of protection around them mask them do whatever you've got to do God to keep them healthy and safe but Lord I do pray that your name is glorified and magnified through whatever takes place over there and Lord as we go about our business this week Lord I pray you give us an opportunity to be a witness and a lot to those that are around us to to be a witness to someone that may be lost maybe somebody that's struggling Lord I pray that we can come to them and we can comfort them with your words Lord, I pray again that you would just continue to bless the church, those that make it up, continue to keep us healthy and safe in all that we do. Lord, we praise you and thank you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well. I'm done for today. <laughs> Back here next Sunday. I'm trying to I've noticed that, uh, We're getting a lot more response out of the written devotion than we are out of the film devotion, so I was kind of going that route for a little bit there on the Facebook page because I like the fact that we're getting more people to read those instead of just (laughs) watching this mug up there, so we'll we'll keep trying that and see what happens, but y'all be safe going home. We'll see you back here Wednesday night.